I got this job in New York marketing in a timeshare industry and um, hated it <laughs> because it was boring. The work wasn't very engaging. And although I got to interact with traveling people and a transient guest all the time, I kind of felt stupid and underutilized doing the job. This is the Happen to Your Career podcast with Scott Barlow. We help you stop doing work that doesn't fit you, figure out what does, and make it happen. We help you define the work that's unapologetically you, and then go get it. If you're ready to make a change, keep listening. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. And welcome back to the Happen to Your Career podcast. I am beyond excited to be here. I know I say that all the time, but I'm especially excited for this episode. Uh, It's quite honestly one I've been waiting for. (laughs) I think that's fair to say. I've been waiting for it for for a little while. Ever since I met our, our guest today, I have had in the back of my mind that I want her on the Happen to Your Career podcast. So without further ado... Welcome, Audrey, to Happen to Your Career. How 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 are you feeling? Hey, Scott. I'm feeling great. Good, good, because this is going to be fun. I, I don't even know all the details yet, but you and I, you and I work together. You found us. I don't even actually know if I remember the story of how you found us, uh, and we'll get into all that, but I got the pleasure of being able to tag along for the ride as you were making your career change. And you you allowed us the honor of being able to to help out with with that, and you've done some rather amazing things, I would say. So I'm I'm super excited to dig into all of that. We're gonna get to all the things in 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 due time here. What tell tell people what you do now, and you're just getting ready to start your new role here. Sure. So I am a benefits coordinator for a law firm in Boston. I'm an engineer who was living in Portland, Oregon, and was moving up to Seattle, Washington to support my wife's career change. This is Michael. He's made career changes before, but this one was different. A lot of the folks I talked to using sort of my normal channels were often saying, hey, we'd love to have somebody like you on the team. Unfortunately, we just let three or four people just like you go because there's not enough work to go around anymore. Listen for Michael's story later in the episode to learn how he used coaching to help him figure out what fits him and make the change to work he loves. You have somebody in your corner who's looking out for your best interest. They're pushing you to be the best version of yourself and to stretch and grow yourself consistently towards that best self. You have not always worked as a benefits coordinator, though, and you have not always worked in HR necessarily in in any capacity. You've done a lot of different things over your career. And yeah. I I want to go way back here a bit and and dive into how um how you got to the point where you saw the need to change in the first place. So where where did first of all where did your your professional career begin? Let's give people a little bit of color here. So I would say where it becomes relevant um I had uh you know, a lot of experience in sales roles and marketing positions. I got a job in New York, which is kind of like a, just the mark on the to-do list that I had to do for no more reason than the fact that that's what my mom did. And that's what people from New Jersey did. I got this job in New York marketing in a timeshare industry. 
and um, hated it because <laughs> it was boring. The work wasn't very engaging. And although I got to interact with traveling people and a transient guest all the time, I kind of felt stupid and underutilized doing the job. Then went back into the beauty and wellness industry where I had kind of began working straight out of college and thought, I miss the serenity and the aromatherapy of that environment. So jumped back in and um, I was an entry-level guest service manager, moved, got promoted after hosting a huge event, became an events manager. And then we lost three out of five people on our management team. And I was afforded the opportunity to dive into payroll and employee relations and some investigations and a lot of uh, benefits and open enrollment and just all of that world of mess. And I absolutely loved it. Um, I fell in love with it because I was able to deal with things that mattered most to the employees. And so it was really difficult once those roles were then filled again to let go of the tasks that now were so much more fulfilling than, you know, event budgets and catering management and things of that nature. So from working with you a bit, I know that there were elements that you just were absolutely enamored with and had a ton of fun with, but overall, eventually something changed. At some point you stopped having as much fun. So how, how did, how did that happen? And what, what, what took place there? What were some of the timeline events? You know, in hindsight, I think that this is probably a very common coming of age for a lot of professionals where as a young person um, involved in any industry, you feel like I need to take on as many new things and as many learning opportunities as possible so that I can then apply those skills later and kind of, you know, you're adding tools to your tool belt for lack of better terms. Um, and you finally get to a point where taking on all that extra stuff, it, it's wonderful, but you're not getting paid anymore for having volunteered yourself into your grave. And you start to feel a little bit undervalued and, um, and it's hard to develop the courage to have those conversations with your superiors, especially when you taking on those kinds of projects, uh, you're torn because you enjoy them. And at the same time, it's now an expectation. And if you're an overachiever, like I imagine many of your clients are, um, it, saying no is really difficult, almost as difficult as saying, hey, I, I've increased my value since I started here and I need to be I need that to be reflected. Yeah. And I know you had some of those challenging conversations too, along the way. And some of them were particularly hard for you. And, but I'm, I'm curious, what, what caused you to be able to get to the point where you were struggling with even thinking about those conversations and thinking that they could be a reality and then even beginning to have some of those, those types of conversations, what, what changed during that period of time? So I think that there were so many elements. I think one of the strongest ones was burnout. I was pushing and I was averaging 70 to 80 hour work weeks. Um, I was, I think the, the breaking point for me was being offered a promotion 
and not being offered a raise to go with it. It was essentially <laughs> like, hey, you've been so awesome with this portion of your job. We'd love for you to do it for this new department we've just acquired. But uh, they showed me the um, the salary and it was pretty much exactly what I was making. And it was just like, OK, this is not this is not working. On top of that, after declining the offer, which I think was one of the harder conversations, yeah. um, still being asked to assist with the project and not being compensated for it, which I said yes to because I was like, I've had enough of awkward conversations. I don't want to have any more awkward conversations. Um, at this point, I had already known that I'd be relocating and I was fortunate enough to have this awesome coach who was like, Hey, take advantage of learning these new systems and, uh, we'll work on getting you out of there. And that's kind of what we did. Yeah. That, and I, I remember a lot of those conversations that you and I had about that exact, that exact thing. Cause at some point along the way, um, even before you, you brought us on board to be able to help out, then you had made the decision you were going to leave. Right. Yes. What was what was kind of the the sticking point for you there, where you had what was the final straw, if you will, because there were there were certainly some fun elements and some things that you really did enjoy. Um, do you remember what the last straw was before you said, "Look, I got I got to get some help here. I'm I'm I made the decision to go." Well, actually, I had uh, I had worked with another counselor. Mm. on three appointments prior to contacting HTYC. And um, she was in the city and she was a huge advocate of the Myers-Briggs assessment, ah. which um, assessments are a wonderful tool, but I think uh, there are people of a certain mindset who are susceptible to using them as opposed to deep sea diving into their own desires and wants. And so you're kind of allowing yourself to be placed into a box as opposed to making your own decisions. Um, it felt very box-like. And I think it was my third session with this counselor where I questioned that. And I can't and imagine said, you questioning anything after getting to know you. Certainly what? not. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I questioned that and she was almost defensive. And I was like, wait, this is, I'm paying for this service to help me get clear. This is the Audrey show. This is not, I love Myers-Briggs, you know? So um, I just stopped <laughs> going. And then I found HTYC. I heard you speaking on somebody else's podcast. And I reached out and none of that answered your question. So to say what my breaking point was, um, I was also in a relationship, a long distance relationship and, uh, it had been a, a long time dealing with a long distance commute. And I um, was just the type of woman who was unwilling to move for love. And then finally the conversation, another uncomfortable conversation. <laughs> I'm um, noticing a pattern here. <laughs> was having someone who meant so much to me ask me, why are you choosing something that makes you so unhappy over something that we could create together that would make us both really happy. And I didn't have an answer for that. And so I said, look, I'm not comfortable moving without a job. I'm going to work with this guy, Scott. He's awesome. And he looks like you a little bit. I think it's going to be great. And that's what we did. And 
And then ultimately I wound up moving anyway. Yeah. Yeah. The twists and turns that happened in there. And I, I totally want to come back to that too. The, um, you did end up moving anyways, but it wasn't, it wasn't a small road to be able to, to get to that point. And that's super interesting that you were on this track where you were running as, as fast as you possibly can. And because you were running down that track and because it was what was going on in your life, it was almost, uh, almost accidentally forcing you to say no to some other things that were really, really important. Like, <laughs> like, uh, considering the move in that way. Yep. Absolutely. Um, I think that was the, the hardest thing to come to terms with was, uh, finally coming to the decision to move without something lined up in advance. Um, but if, you know, and for anybody who's contemplating a move, if you have the means to do it, just go. I can't stress that enough. Like it is the most rewarding risk you will take. You will be happier in your job search. <laughs> you will enjoy the process more and you'll be able to commit to it with so much more confidence. That's super interesting. I've been, um, not to take us too far off track here, but I've been reading literally every single book that I can find that has a good, uh, good set of research behind what makes us happy as humans. And so I'm like, I don't know, 10 or 15 books into this. And one of the things that is overwhelming within the research is that we, when we make decisions and then when we take actions on those decisions, we rarely as human beings regret it afterwards. But if we don't take that action, <laughs> like in this case, it might, in this case, it could have been you, have, you know, choosing to never make that move or uh, choosing to wait until you had the job or something else along those lines. Uh, you know, that's the situation where it causes regret in the end versus the other way around versus if I'm actually taking that action. Um, it's, it's absurd because we, our, our brains tell us the opposite thing. Actually, the, the other way around is, is much more intuitive to us. So you, you took this, clearly you don't regret it. Clearly it turned out for, uh, for the best, but I'm curious why you advise people to do that. Push this research aside and, and say like, well, what was your personal experience? Because you were, you were going through a lot of questioning about whether or not that was the right decision for you. Right. Um, so if I may throw myself under the bus, you know, until HTYC, I never once considered lifestyle in terms of selecting a career path or a job. What do you mean by that? that I, um, how much free time I had in a day was not something that I included in my search. Uh, you know, the breakdown in that eight day course, it makes you look at, you know, your health and wellness, your relationships, um, if you, you know, if you have spiritual elements that you wanted to include in your lifestyle, none of those things ever even came into my awareness as things to consider when looking for a job, which, you know, you learn in time is utterly ridiculous because the truth is your job is not what matters most. Generally speaking, it's everything else that matters more. Um, the job is just a means to support you living the life that you'll enjoy and, you know, share with the people that you love. Um, 
so that was a huge mindset twist for me was I'm, I'm looking for a, a much bigger picture than just a vocation that I'm going to do mm-hmm. during the week. Interesting. So then how did that, how did that impact, uh, later than that decision? Because it wasn't just one, from what I recall, it wasn't just one and done type conversation. It was back and forth and um, you you made a go of it, trying to find a new job while you were at this job, this yes. previous job, right? Yes, I did. Um, so during my search and you know doing all the cold calling, which... If you hate cold calling, don't judge yourself. Just don't think about it. Just get it done. Um, But it was really hard to manage those things while, you know, working so much and working these crazy hours and then commuting from state to state. Um, You know, I was crying on the bus ride to work and then sometimes crying on the way home. And um, at that point, my most fulfilling days were the days where I completed a task. And uh, rarely was it something that I was doing on my own behalf. So the the imbalance just became more and more obvious as time went on. Um, and I was having some really hopeful conversations. And I was, you know, I would get really excited about, I had this conversation with this company. And then, you know, I remember speaking with one company for a span of three months. And um everything was positive, 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 positive. And then all of a sudden they were like, Oh, sorry, we closed the position because, um, we acquired another office and they have two people who can do the job. It was like just such a huge slap in the face. Yeah. And I was like, I hate those people. (laughs) Um, but I moved here and wound up getting an interview with the same company for another position. So, um, what I would say why I would suggest just taking the risk sooner than later is uh, I spent, and this is not suggesting everybody's going to fall in the same timeline, but I spent um, six months in New Jersey looking for work in Massachusetts. And then I moved to Massachusetts and finally made the decision to take the risk and come here and, and meet the people and be able to go to interviews and see people and things like that. And it took me the same amount of time. So imagine if I would have came here six months earlier. Potentially could have saved some of those months. Correct. So back in, uh, if you want a good outline for whether or not it's a good idea to quit uh, and when it's okay to quit, go back to episode 203 with Mike Goodman, our our community success manager who has also quit jobs along with myself too. And we give you a really good set, a really out good set of questions and outlines to be able to decide whether or not it is right for you, because it's not necessarily right for everybody. But if I remember, Audrey, you, we, we talked extensively about whether or not that would be a good decision in, in your case. And from what I remember, please uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you had um, you had done a really good job saving, saving some money. So you had given yourself some runway yeah. and yeah. that's one of the things that put you in a good position to be able to make that possible. And then also you had done a good job, um, eliminating, a. You, you didn't have really, really, really significant amounts of debt or living expenses or anything along those lines. So that made it possible too. And ultimately for the type of person you are, 
I think the other thing that seemed to be really good for you is not having all of the stuff that was bringing you down and draining you that <laughs> that was deterring your focus from being able to make the transition. How, 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 how did you feel about that after? Well, I guess before and after that decision. I actually, I remember the day that I made the decision to move and it was, um, it was what, during one of our Tuesday sessions. Yeah. And I just remember kind of being like, I can't do this anymore. Um, like I need to move. And I just remember divulging like, Scott, this is how much money I have in the bank. Um, like this is what I've got to work with. I need to buy a car. Um, I'm going to anticipate. And we actually just wrote a budget and just doing that math. We, I think we were, you were like, you have 13 months, like you're losing money staying where you are. And that was it. That was all I needed was just to budget myself and realize this is totally real. And then, you know, I think that very afternoon, one of my friends reached out to me and was like, I just quit my job. I'm going to tour across the US for three months. And I'm like, if this girl can quit her job and take a road trip, I can quit my job and look for a job. <laughs> and that was that. Uh, so that was a, that was a really big mindset switch then. So tell, uh, tell HTYCers a little bit more about, uh, about the losing money state. Cause I think that was a big mindset switch for you. Yeah. So, um, I, I'm a saver. I like putting money away in the bank. It feels good to look at that number increase. And one of the things I was really afraid of, uh, one, um, I just didn't want to move here and be dependent on anybody. Um, that was something that I just wasn't willing to do. So I wanted to make sure when I moved in that I was contributing 50, 50 on everything. And the thing is I'm a crazy person. So my, you know, my partner would have been happy to support me. He would have, you know, relished in the opportunity, but I'm a psychopath. So like not having it, I am woman, I need to, you know, be 50, 50 on everything. Uh, so that was one thing. Um, the other piece was I was scared of how I would feel watching my bank account just dwindle every month as I paid my bills. Um, I wound up finding a really awesome deal on a, uh, on a used car. And, uh, as soon as I got the car, it was in my driveway every day. And I was just like, yep, I'm going to quit. I'm going to do this now because <laughs> I just wanted to pack my car and leave. There was something missing in my career that I had some skills that I wanted to sharpen, that I wanted a different connection to the work that I was doing and I was feeling very stuck in my search. Remember Rebecca from earlier? Well, not only did she feel stuck in her career, but she had some personal struggles too. I was dealing with a long-term relationship and trying to bridge the gap there, but also I felt like I needed to be in a different setting to really hone my skills in a certain way, to get experience and to have a different interaction with my work. When she signed up for coaching with HTYC, she gained accountability and direction getting the support, getting, helping to focus on your goals and what are some tangible results that you can pull out of your goals is helpful. And I think preparing and practicing to walk into an interview and having someone there. Helped her get clarity and take action on the career change. 
and better clarity on what maybe what your weaknesses and strengths are if you're going into your interview so that you're holistically prepared and to help you see the moving pieces in your search. Hey, congratulations, Rebecca, on figuring out what you really wanted and making the change to it. If you also want to figure out what work fits you and make it happen, well, guess what? We can absolutely help. All you have to do is go to happentoyourcareer.com and click on coaching to be able to apply. Send in your application right now. Or here's the other thing you can do. Just press pause and text my coach. That's M-Y coach to 44222. Pause right now and we'll send over the application right to your phone. Having someone there who can hear what you're saying, but then also can see what's in between the lines. To pull that out and to give your job search a boost is invaluable. If I remember, we one of the exercises that we did is we went through and step-by-step step figured out, okay, so here's how much you're earning at your, your current job, which at that time we felt that you were significantly underpaid for your experience level and uh, and what you could bring to the table and essentially the rest of the market. So we said, okay, look, we, we came up with that you will probably be making around twenty-ish thousand dollars more or so if you're changing to a to a new company, new job, et cetera, et cetera. So, what is the payback, or what is the what is the time period in which you can go, um, uh, one without without running out of out of savings? And we figured out, hey, it's it's well over a year. Uh, but then the second thing that we figured out too is, look, for every single month that you're staying in here. Uh, you are actually losing that new potential salary, right? By by staying in role versus if and we wrote it out on on digital paper. I think it was at the time, might have been real paper, but and we figured out, hey, that <laughs> look, if it takes you six months to be able to to get a, a new role, then actually that's a really good payback because you're going to make that up in X number of months too. And I don't think yep. most people are looking at it in that, that particular way too. Um, do you, and it, if I recall what you said is now that you've made that change too, I think you got what, like a $20,000 increase or something, right? Yes, I did. <laughs> Weird. Yeah. Uh, good for you. That's awesome. And I did it in six months. So, well, look at that. Yeah. <laughs> we basically forecasted it. So uh, it it's almost like we've done this before. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So what do you think the hardest part was for you in particular, both uh, throughout the, well, let's start with the entire, entire journey. I think just uh, coming to the point where I was ready to make the decision, making the decision was actually relatively easy. Um, and I think putting, you know, putting the numbers down on paper actually really helped with that. But uh making the decision to transition out of the wellness industry with the understanding that um, I could continue growing on this ladder and and probably do so pretty rapidly, but I had no interest in it whatsoever. And so making the decision to say, hey, I'm going to go entry level in a totally different direction. Um, I think part of the, you know, a lot of the rewiring that was required, I had to, in terms of a resume, which 
I know resumes aren't so huge, but um, taking things out of the context of your current role and putting them in transferable context is way more valuable, especially if um, if you're doing applications online. Um, nobody cares about the specifics. And so you're the only person who knows the context of what you were doing, where you were. If you're not taking the effort to translate that to the industry you want to be in, you're not doing yourself any favors. So that was one thing because I found myself removing accomplishments on my resume that weren't relevant. And you feel like, ah, oh, but that was awesome. Like I kicked butt on that or that was great. Uh, but it doesn't matter if it's not relevant. So um, get it off. <laughs> Another part of the rewiring that was like really interesting. I had a super huge, um, I was so embarrassed to say to an interviewer, you know, when they would say, why'd you move to Massachusetts? Like to say, well, I moved for love. I was so embarrassed. And uh, I wound up doing it on a phone interview with someone who was interviewing me for something I really didn't care about. And I had other conversations going on and I just figured, let me experiment and, and just say it. And she was like, Oh my God, me too. Blah, 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 blah. And I was like, it's a story. So I started saying it more and more. And I will, I can guarantee that every conversation I've had since both on the phone and in person in groups, somebody could relate to that story. Cause it's human, right? Cause it's human. Yep. And if I remember you were, uh, we had many conversations about that specific thing and, and even, even other, other details too, where you were afraid or unsure or very uncomfortable with sharing those pieces of, of you essentially, which was authentically you. And I would say you are by far one of the most authentic people that I know in general, um, oh. but for, no, very, very true. And I've told you that several times, but, uh, it was hard. It was hard when it was put into the context of, Hey, I'm going to go and I'm going to change up my world and I'm going to talk to all these uh, new people. And I want it to translate into something that's going to be really good for my career. And what should I share? What shouldn't I share? So that's so yep. interesting then that you found that when you were sharing more of yourself, you got a better response from that. Yes. Huge insight there. What, what were there any other areas where you became more comfortable with sharing more of yourself in the, in the job search or interview or other pro part of the process? Yeah. So it took a long time to get to this point and it took a lot of conversations uh, to finally realize that if I didn't like something about a role, like uh, when you get further along in an interview process and uh, what I've noticed, um, most of the conversations I've had have been with teams. So it hasn't been just the standard one interview and then a callback. It's yeah. been six people one day in two hours or like whatever. And somebody always winds up asking you, you know, is there anything about the job that you're concerned about? Is there anything about the description that you're not interested in? Like answer those questions. Honestly. Um, I literally had a woman at a company in Boston bring me in and say, I brought you in today because I liked you so much during our phone call, but I really don't think you're going to like this job. 
And I just need to know that you're jazzed about it. And she was like, I want you to go home and really think about this. I'm thinking to myself, well, one, I've never been called to an interview for someone to be like, I don't think you're going to like this at all. <laughs> the but two, un-interview. maybe she's, you know, you never know what somebody on the other end of the phone intends for you. So who knows? That person could have you in mind for a totally different role. And if you're not being receptive to the opportunities that are coming in front of you, you could miss out on quite a bit. Um, so don't be afraid to put yourself out there, even if you feel underqualified, even if you feel like you're not a right fit, because you may sit down and they might say, we really, uh, I know you applied for this, but what do you think about this? And it could be something you totally love. That is amazing advice right there and totally counterintuitive. But we've seen that with literally hundreds of people that we've worked with, where when you, just as you described, will go into an interview and and be be frank with them about, hey, I'm absolutely loving these parts. Here's the parts I, I am less excited about, especially as you get further along into the interview where you've already built a relationship. If you walk in and you're like, hey, this, you know, your job sucks. That's a totally like, don't do that. That's not going to be helpful to anybody. But as you get further along into that interview and you're completely transparent with them, then that more often than not, we've seen has created other opportunities because so few people out there are willing to be transparent in the way that you were. And I think people connect with that. I would also say, like, if I can just, you know, bullet this one thing, um, the more interviews that you do that are outside of what you want, the more exposure you get to other avenues where your skills may be applicable. Um, So I interviewed for like an implementation specialist role. Uh, In my role in New York, I was doing a lot of training of a lot of older generations on how to use certain tech platforms. And um, I wound up applying for a position that was called onboarding specialist. And in my mind, I was anticipating this to be more of a human resources onboarding function. But when I had the phone interview, they were like, you know, this is more implementation. So you'll be teaching people how to use this tech, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, whoa, I never thought in a million years I'd get an interview with a tech company. This is so cool. I wound up applying for like two other positions like that with different tech companies. So it's just, you know, um, just be a little bit more receptive. I think something I really struggled with during the process was I had such a defined, limited view of what my ideal was. And so I wasn't I wasn't seeing the other kind of avenues and opportunities and that were out there. And so I was missing the mark a little bit. Um, like I, I picked this one company and I was like, that's the dream company. That's the gold that's where standard. I yeah. And, and I wouldn't like see anything else. So the hardest part was sometimes just finding companies I was actually interested in based on this crazy standard that I just put on the blackboard, you know? Um, so yeah, just being open and, you know, by the time I moved here, I feel like working with you gave me more confidence to, you know, I was volunteering for events. I was working with the chamber of commerce. I was giving my resume to all my friends, like just utterly and shamelessly sharing my story. And I can't tell you just, um, how many tips and little tricks and leads I got just by making fun of myself. 
In what way? Now I'm super curious. What's an example of that? Oh my God. (laughs) I don't know. Um, like when we went to, I, I volunteered for this event called chowder chowder fest, which is basically just like a really fun contest where a bunch of, so I'm in the new England area. Chowder is like a big deal, but I would make fun of, like I would start talking in my New York accent and like really embellishing it. And I was making the judges laugh so hard. And then it's like, (laughs) Oh my God, she was great. Like, we know this person. Who's that? Well, like you just, I was at the chamber of commerce and those events, it's kind of like a lot of people getting together to exchange leads. And here I am, this girl with no leads, just looking for like connection and you know, yeah, it's a blow to the pride. You feel stupid. It's okay to feel stupid. Going to networking events with nothing to offer. Anybody is hard. It's uncomfortable. Do it anyway, because that's when you meet people who are also from New York and they say, you know, I know somebody at this company or I know somebody at this company or my friend's a headhunter. And this happened over and over again. And um, I'm still in touch with these people. So, you know, it just it really is the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> that is super cool. So what what finally happened then to one? I, I know that you you had set some standards for yourself. You weren't going to take just anything out there. And as you went through these interview processes, you were looking at it completely differently than the average person. You're really trying to figure out, Hey, is this role act a fit? And, but what, what finally happened at the role that role in company that you accepted where you said, Hey, this, this could be a good thing. How did that happen? So I had, um, quite a few conversations where I'll say, and and maybe you can help me out here with the right verbiage, but I had like three different companies that I interviewed with a very young sprightly type of culture with, you know, like ping pong tables and catered lunches. Yeah. yeah. Like that Google inspired office space. And, um, I think for whatever reason in my head, I just thought that that's where someone like me should be pursuing work. But the truth of it is, if I were ever not knowing myself, um, if I were ever in a position where I had a question about a task that I needed to complete and I had to wait for somebody to finish a ping pong game, I would lose my mind. Um, it wasn't until walking into the office at this law firm and, um, you know, the formal, respectful kind of curt way of communicating that is very straightforward and just clear and concise, you know, that is way more my kind of style as opposed to like, I'm not getting anything done in an office with a dog. Like that's just, this is, you learn yourself, but none of that really made sense to me until I went to this interview in a more formal environment and actually felt relieved that there was no googly type stuff going on. So um, I think a part of me felt like because I was young, that should be what I wanted. That's so interesting. Even how you're talking about it in terms of, hey, because I'm in this category, then this should be, I think anytime you find yourself inserting the, this should be, or this is what, you know, is some, uh, some other people's definition or version of what good looks like, then that's 
more than likely the wrong place for you, whatever it is. And yeah, I know many people that that do enjoy that environment, but that's not for everybody. I would, I wouldn't get anything done in that. Like if you, I, yeah. I know we can't see uh, and everything like that, but in the back of me, I've got nothing here. There's like <laughs> floor space and, and a workspace and that's it. So, Cause I have ADD and I get way distracted unless I can focus <laughs> on the thing at hand. So yeah. ping pong. Yeah. But I know many people that just absolutely love that environment. So you learned that that right. clearly wasn't for you by paying attention to what felt right. And I think kudos to you because so many people ignore that in the first place. Yeah. Well, the other thing, I, I mean, I caught myself um, being disingenuous in interviews where, you know, somebody would say to me, and and the thing is, um, you know, I am one of my signature strengths would be adaptability. So I, I can make pretty much anything work. Yeah. Um, but in terms of how I like to operate, uh, there were, you know, several conversations where someone would say to me, you know, how do you feel in, in the realm of ambiguity? And, um, I mean, you, you've had enough conversations with me to know that I am very clear. There's no guesswork with (laughs) what I'm saying. Um, and I prefer that kind of environment, but I would tell people, you know, that's nothing strange to me. I'm, I'm totally accustomed to it, which was true, but that's not what I wanted. So then I would leave and I would be like, Oh, I hope they, you know, call me back. And then I would think about it a little more and be like, Oh my God, I'm going to get sick of that in like two months. If I go through with this, you know, that's so interesting. Cause that is polar opposite of what you described in some of the other later interviews and later interactions where you were saying, yeah, all these areas really fit really well, but there's this one area I'm less sure of, and here's what I'm really looking for. And that is one, it takes courage to be able to put yourself out there in that way. So that's awesome that you did that in what most people will not do throughout their entire lives. And instead of the way that we think that we have to interview, which is what you just described um, just a moment ago, where it's like, yeah, I'm totally comfortable with the ambiguity which is true, but not what you actually want. So asking for for what you want is what I'm what I'm taking away from that. Like when you ask for what you want, you're more strangely more likely to get what you want versus let yes. somebody else decide. <laughs> <laughs> and and just also, you know, adversely being willing to say no, that's not something I enjoy. Um, no, that's not something I'm interested in because I think ambiguity has become the new hot word in a lot of companies. And especially this is just my assessment based on my interviews. I'm not, I don't, I have no backing for this whatsoever, except my opinion, but, um, ambiguity is like a word that I've seen used quite frequently. And, and to me, that's just like a red flag of wait. So do you know what you're doing? Like, are you, have you found <laughs> do you not have company? your like, crap together? Like, <laughs> so I like things. I love flexibility and I love innovation, but, um, in terms of working, I like to know what it is I'm supposed to produce, who I'm working with on that project. How are we going to get there? Because I'm, I'm a point B person. Once I know what point B is, I don't care about point A. I don't care about the past. I don't care about anything in my peripheral. I just want to get to B. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what advice would you give for people that are back, you know, six, eight months ago where you were at the time uh, and in the, in the role that they're not excited about, know that they want to make a change and they're just on the cusp of uh, wanting to move forward and, and 
find themselves and be able to do work that allows them to be much more of themselves? I think we kind of all start at the same place, which is I don't like this. I don't want this. You know, it's not like, oh, I've been dreaming about this. Like you're not getting there by being really happy where you are. So I think a lot of us start in the I don't like this place. And I think what HTYC really helps to do is um, it forces you to ask yourself questions that didn't occur to you to ask. And you're working with professionals who have not only been in your shoes, but are really good at helping other people get out of this place. So just intuitively, they know more than you do about this process, especially if it's your first go around. And why not tap into that insight? Um, I think that what kind of made that really clear to me from the very beginning was the eight day program, the email program. Yeah, we still have it around. We've had about 15,000 people through that over at figureitout.co. Okay, so that was like more content than I have seen offered uh, anywhere else. And it was just so easy and it was, but it was so much value added that like, it was crazy. Um, And that's just the tip of the iceberg compared to what, what's available. Well, that is super kind of you to say, and it makes me happy that we get to chat after after you've come full circle on this journey. And I'm, I'm so excited for you to get into, into your next role and have fun. And I'm so proud of you for paying attention and putting what you thought that you should be doing or what you thought you had to be doing in any given moment and putting that aside, because that's not an easy thing to do. And then start paying attention to yourself, which uh, you are, you are, you <laughs> are, I can't wait to talk again in, in another year, just how much, how much progress that you have made just in that one area alone. I'm just, I am just ecstatic for you and super, super happy. So congratulations again, by the way. Thank you. Thank you so much for everything and the whole team too. Hey, are you ready to figure out what work fits you and what would be the right right challenge and enjoyment that matches up with the career you actually want? Well, I got just the thing for you. I want you to go ahead and pause this episode because we have a figure it out mini course that helps you get clear on what you what you want in your new career and begin making some of those difficult decisions and help you narrow it down to what you really want. So pause and you can, you can get this two ways. You can either go over to figureitout.co or you can actually text HAPPEN, H-A-P-P-E-N, to 44222. And we'll send over so you can get signed up right away. Perfecting, performing, and pleasing everyone else around you only really works when there's a, the end of a semester in sight. So after three years of nonstop, all-out sprinting for success, I had gone from being a college athlete to not having any form of fitness in my life for almost three years there. And while I'm proud of the work we did, and I you know, trained and recruited and managed over 200 plus volunteers across the state of Rhode Island and helped them really learn to own their voice, 
to advocate for the changes that and transformation that they wanted to bring about in their community and to collectively organize to grow their sense of power, I was completely losing touch of my own sense of agency and power in my own life. All right. All that, plenty more. See y'all next week. Adios. I'm out. Thank you.